Today, the title of my message is Hope is Real. Everybody say it with me. Hope is real. Have you ever hoped for something? And the Bible says that now faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. God wants us to wrap our hope up in him in a real, tangible way. Not just in lip service, but in what we actually do and how we respond to the circumstances of life around us. Say it with me one more time. Hope is real. Let me read the scripture for you from Psalm 62 and 5. Let all that I am quietly wait before God. For my hope is in him. How many of you have seen anyone wait that wasn't real quiet about it? I'm hungry! Okay, I get the picture. You, you, go, you go into a grocery store and kids are waiting for, you know, the, for their parents to get done. How many of you have ever seen them scream at the top of their lungs? There's something about God, and God is saying, look, I want you to be able to wait quietly. When you wait quietly, that sends a signal that you know that hope is real, that you're, you're not waiting like it's never going to come. You know that it's going to come to you. And so our actions declare our hope. Now, I want to talk to you about some men in the Bible that had put their hope and their trust in God. How many of you have ever found yourself needing to put more trust in God? And through that, you find more hope in God. So in the book of Daniel, the children of Israel have been taken into captivity. They're in Babylon. Jerusalem is in ruins. And in the midst of this, when he took the children of Israel into captivity, he separated them and he caused some of them to become wise men. He took the, the best of the best from Israel and he set them aside and he began to train and groom them to become his wise men. From those were Daniel and three Hebrew children that the king named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What ended up happening is the king in chapter 2 has a dream. And the dream really troubled him. Have any of you ever had a dream and then forgot the dream, but you knew you had the dream, and you're trying to recall the dream, and it's frustrating you because you can't remember the dream? Well, you, you, that's what happened to the king, and this is what he did. He called all of his wise men together, and he said, I want you to give me the interpretation of my dream. And they said, we would love to. Just tell us what your dream was, and we'll give you the interpretation. He said, well, I can't remember my dream. Give me the interpretation. And they looked at him, they said, King, they said, you know, we can't do that. If you tell us your dream, we'll give you the interpretation. And the king got mad. He said, I know what you're doing. You're just trying to buy time. You're, you, you, this thing is gone from me. And if you don't give me the interpretation, I'm going to kill you all. Real nice guy. And they're, they're saying there's not a king in any nation that's ever required something like this of their counselors. He said it can't be done. And said, man, he gave the command. 
and soldiers started gathering up all the wise men and they came to get Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and, and Daniel said, what's going on? The guard explained to Daniel what was happening and Daniel said, take me to the king and let me speak to him. So Daniel goes to the king and the king, or Daniel looked at the king and he said, king, he said, if you'll give me time, I'll make known the interpretation of your dream. And so the king gives Daniel a very small window of time. I'm talking to like 24 hours. <laughs> Any of you ever needed something in a hurry? And you have to put all your hope in God. Can I tell you, that's a good place to put it. That night... Daniel has a vision of the king's dream. And this is what they, and he goes to the king and he tells the king, this is what you saw. You saw a statue that was fearsome. And the statue's head was of gold. Its arms and its breast was of silver. The belly and thighs were made of brass. The legs were made of iron and the feet were made of iron and clay and all of a sudden you saw a rock that was cut out of a mountain without man's hands and that rock came out of that mountain rolling down and it came across that image's feet it crushed that image the image fell under the weight of that rock and its power and it went to and it just went to nothingness it just grounded the powder and the wind came and blew it all away and there was no trace of it left and then the rock began to fill the entire earth Daniel let him know what the interpretation was he said you king are the head of gold God has set up your dominion above all kingdoms he said but after you there's going to come another kingdom the breast and the arms of silver would be the Medes and Persians. The belly and thighs of brass would be Greece, Alexander the Great. The legs of iron would be the Roman Empire. And the feet that are mixed with iron and clay are where we're living at today. And revised Roman Empire, nations that would exist within the boundaries of the old Roman Empire. And he said, and then that rock that you saw... How many of you know that that rock is Christ? And it's going to come across that image, and that image is going to fall. That's why the Scripture said, whoever falls on this rock will be broken, but whoever that rock falls on will be ground to powder. Somebody say yes. He tells that to the king, and the king rewards Daniel, and he thanks him. He gives him a higher place of honor. And then the king gets a little nuts you ever know anybody that got a little nuts don't point fingers and so he he starts looking and he said wait I'm I'm that head of gold and so he goes and he has an image made if you would throw that picture up he has an image made of gold of himself the thing is 90 feet tall it's nine feet wide and he gives out an order and the order is, whenever you hear the music, you fall down and worship the image. 
And if you don't, you're going to fry. And so all the people hear the music and all the people fall down and begin to worship. Except a few. When he found out that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not worshiping his image, he brought them in, and man, he is hot. Everybody say he's mad. He brings them in, and in Daniel 3.15, he tells them, he warns them, he says, Now, if you're ready, at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made, it'll all be well. But if you worship not, you'll be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Nebuchadnezzar says it arrogantly. He says it daring them. Who is that God that can get you out of my grip? Who is that God that's going to set you free from me? You know, the Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 3 and 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Everybody say, keep him holy here. Don't, don't treat God like he's no big deal. Don't treat your life with God like, well, yeah, I go to church, you know. You've heard me say it before. If living for God had been about coming in and sitting on a church pew, I'd have never done it. God had to be real for me. I'm talking about a hope that is real. Peter said, you keep him holy in your heart. Keep him real before you. He said, and always be ready to give a defense. Everybody say an answer. Give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. He's saying, don't be arrogant with your answer, but humbly tell them about your God. And have a fearful reverence for God when you're telling them, understanding that your answer may change their life. When you talk about God, do you get excited? When someone asks you about the God you serve, do you get excited about it? Or you go, oh, well, you know, I just go down there to that church. I can give you my preacher's phone number if you want, and you all want to know. Kelsey was in here last week ministering, ministering to people at the end of the service last Sunday night. She goes, man, I am wore out. I've, I've been, I, I think she said, I've been, I, I feel like I preached. I've, 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 I've done Brother Rich's job ancestors today, be jobs today. <laughs> she administered to people. She, she felt wore out, but it was a good wear out, wasn't it? You know, when you give yourself, and so when he asks who is that God? We need to let him know that our hope is real. And we need to make it plain who that God is. Everybody say, who is he? Well, let me tell you, in Genesis, when Abraham found himself in a jam, he became Jehovah Jireh, my provider. How many of you know that God is still able to provide for you today? How many times have you had your... Man, I remember one time I, I, I was... I was serving God. I had an account at a gas station. I had charged gas at that account. The man asked me, when are you, going, when are you paying your account off? I told him Saturday. It was all an act of faith. 
I didn't know where it was coming from. I just spoke it out. I said, Saturday. Well, Friday rolled around. No money came. So I thought about calling my mom, and I thought, no, I don't want to call my mom. I just moved away from the house. You know, didn't want her to think I had to have her. And, 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 and so I'm praying. I thought, God, I, I've got to have you. Saturday rolls around. Still no money. He closed like at 2 o'clock. It's noon, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm, I'm interceding. God, I need hope that's real. And then hope walked through the door. It was Debbie's mom. And Debbie's mom said, I was in town shopping and ran into your old landlord. They handed me this money and said, you moved out before you used up all your rent. That don't happen, folks. <laughs> I said, what? and guess what, what happened? When I counted how much it was, I got happy. <laughs> I ran up to that, to that gas station, paid my bill, and said, fill her up. Had a, oh, God is able to give you exceeding abundantly above all you are able to ask or think because he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Joshua finds himself in the middle of a valley. Moses has sent him down there to battle the Amalekites. Moses went up to the mountain and the battle started. And something unique happened that day. They discovered that when Moses raised his hands, Joshua would win the battle but when Moses grew tired and he dropped his hands then the Amalekites began to win the battle Moses had been up there for hours with his hands up and he finally just couldn't take it anymore and he dropped his hands and when he dropped his hands Joshua started being defeated so Aaron and Hur ran up to where Moses was one on one side one on the other they picked his hands up raised them up and Joshua defeated the Amalekites can I tell you Joshua figured out who God was that day Moses declared who he was Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. What do you do with a banner? Do you know what a banner is? Banner's like a flag. And what do you do with a flag? You don't tear it up and burn it. You raise that flag up. So here's what Moses is saying. When you see my hands down, when, my, when I do not have a banner of praise raised to God, somebody get on my left and somebody get on my right and lift my praise up because it's in my praise that I've got victory. Don't leave me laying down defeated. Don't walk by me if I'm down and out. If you see a frown on my face, turn it upside down. Somebody help me get my praise back on. The Lord is my banner. Jehovah Nisi, my banner. Gideon is told by God that he has, no, he's excited, man. Gideon is told by God that he has to go out and fight the Midianites. Man, commentators said that these, that, well, the scripture says that they, they were without number. They covered the ground like grasshoppers. Hundreds of thousands. Midian musters together an army of 32,000. Have you ever felt like you were outnumbered before? Have you, ever, have you ever found yourself in a situation where all the odds were against you? 32,000. And if that's not enough, God tells Gideon, you got too many people with you. 
Now, God, I don't have a college education, but <laughs> I mean, I got 32,000. They got hundreds of thousands. I'd say I'm outnumbered. God said, tell everybody that's afraid to go home. Gideon figures that's probably a pretty good idea. They'd probably take off running in battle anyway. So he tells everybody that's afraid to go home. He figures he's going to lose two or three hundred. Twenty-two thousand walked off. Twenty-two thousand. That's why I never ask anybody here if they're afraid. <laughs> Twenty-two thousand man walked off. He's got ten thousand left, and he's going, "Oh God, man, ten thousand people." Okay, God, I I know you. You know you're you're my hope, and my hope is real. You got too many. Say what? Go down to the river, have them get a drink. I want you to separate them. Those that lap water up in their hand and put it to their mouth like a dog and drank, put them on one side. Those that get down on their hands and knees and put their face in the water, put them on the other side. 9,700 have got their face in the water, 300 lapped it like a dog. So he figures, well, I'm going to lose 300 men, but I'll make it with 9,700. God says, get rid of the 9,700. I'm going to do it with 300. This is what you have to understand. Our hope is real. And if our hope is built on ourselves, then that's not real. Because how many of you have ever failed? Anybody in here ever failed? Wave your hand at me if you've ever failed. If you don't have your hand up, I'd like you to come and counsel with me and tell me how you got through life without failing. We, we've, all come, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? We've all failed. And so he feels like, man, how, how can I do this? You do it when your hope is in not what you see, but in who you know. Our hope is real when it's in God. He takes 300 men and has to go fight hundreds of thousands. And you know what happened? Gideon discovered a new name for God. He called him Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. Because when your back's up against the wall, and it seems like all hell is breaking loose around you. And the enemy is coming in on you. You need a God that can reach into your heart and establish peace in you. And cause you to be able to stand up and say, you know what? If God is for me, who can be against me? So I may have 300, but my hope is real. Because my hope isn't in the 300. My hope is in the one and only. He is the Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the... Oh, I almost got ahead of myself. Reel it in. Everybody say, Jehovah Shammah, my peace. The Israelites watched the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. They watched God put plagues on them, man. Lice and, and, and flies and, and boils and and, and, and man, ever, it turned dark, and the Lord spoke to them. And he said, if you'll follow after me, and you'll obey me, then I'm going to take care of you, 
And he gives them a new name that he's going to show himself to be. He said, if you'll do all these things, then none of this stuff will come upon you because I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord God that healeth you. Oh, anybody in here ever needed a healing before? Anybody in here ever needed God to touch you? Let me tell you, I remember, man, I had cut down an oak tree that was dead, that had vines all over it. Everybody say poison oak vines. Repeat after me, do not die. I cut those vines up with a chainsaw, then sawed them, then burnt them. And after I burnt them, I was praying, I need Jehovah Rapha. Man, I started praying, God, don't let this stuff break out on the inside of me. And it didn't. But it sure enough broke out on the outside of me. I was covered in poison oak. Had to go preach revival. It's not good if you're in the pulpit doing this. I wasn't. I'm telling you, my hope is real. I can't explain how he did it. I just know he did it. When I would get up behind the pulpit, all the itching would stop. And I would feel the power of God come down on me. He would heal me in that instant. And I knew when the anointing had left. (laughs) I'd be looking over at Debbie saying, it's time to go, honey. Time to go. I pray. Here, I want you to pray for me. I'll catch you tomorrow night. Man, I'm telling you, he's, he's real, and he's alive, and he's well. Somebody say, the Lord that healeth thee. David introduced him in the 23rd Psalm, and he said, Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. And because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What's David saying? David's saying, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I would wear myself out if God let me. I would get so frustrated and flustered and and I, 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 I would be on the edge of total despair. But he makes me lie down in green pastures. And when there's turbulence in my life, he leads me beside still waters. When I feel like I'm about to fall apart, he restores my soul. Somebody hear what I'm saying today. Our hope is real. Make it plain. Who is that God? He's Jehovah Raha. The Lord is my shepherd. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel's been carried into captivity. Jerusalem lays in ruins. But by the Spirit of God, Ezekiel is caught up and he sees God parting out all the land of Israel to the tribes again and he sees a new Jerusalem a new city and the city is whole and God is telling them about the city and showing Ezekiel the city and then he tells him this is the name of that city Jehovah Shammah the Lord is there it doesn't matter where you find yourself you may you may look out and right now everything seems like it's in ruins but there's a God that can see what you can't see uh, and he will lift you up uh, he's going to restore what the canker worm got uh, what the locust and the caterpillar took uh, he is the Lord that is there everybody say he's there where were you born the Lord was there where were you born 
You don't remember? He was born where? Murfreesboro. The Lord is there. Where were you born? Anybody in here that wasn't born in Murfreesboro? The Lord is there. Every, everywhere you were at, he was there. He showed up before you got there. He was there after you left. And when you got to where you were going, he was right there waiting on you. He's omnipresent. He's able to be everywhere at the same time. We have a God that is Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. In Zechariah, he's a branch you can lean on. In Isaiah, he's wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. In Matthew, he is Emmanuel, not God behind me, not God in front of me, not God beside me, but he is God with us. Somebody say he's with us. He doesn't step away from us. He doesn't take a hike. He doesn't go on vacation. He is Emmanuel, God with us. In Revelation, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Let me make it plain for the leper, for the blind, for the deaf, for the lost, for the hopeless and the helpless. His name is Jesus. He's alive and he's well. He's able to meet every need, to conquer every foe. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah and the lion is about to roar. Somebody shout yes. Hallelujah. Hope is real. In Daniel 3.16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego speak of this hope. They say, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. But even if he doesn't. We want to make it clear to you, I want to make it plain, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. What are they saying? God is able and he will, but even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow I'm not going to bend down. I'm not going to worship your gods. I'm not going to turn my back on the one that rescued me. I'm in it forever. Somebody say forever. Hebrews 10 and 23 says, Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. Our hope is in him. He'll deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we won't bow down. The king got mad. He said, turn that furnace up seven times hotter than it's ever been before. And they cranked it up, and the men that threw them in the furnace were consumed. And then all of a sudden, the king saw something. He looked, and with the flames coming out of that furnace so hot that he had to stand off in a distance. He started looking into the flames, and he asked a question. He said, didn't we throw three men bound into the midst of that fire? 
And they said, that's true, king. He said, lo, I see four men unbound, unhurt, and walking down there. Now there's Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego upon the fiery coals they trod. And the form of the fourth man that I see is like the Son of God. Somebody shout yes. That king's heart was changed. His mind was changed. And he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out and come here because there's no God that can deliver like your God can. A hope that's real. I'm not talking to you about a God I heard about. I'm not talking to you about some story I read. I'm talking to you about a personal encounter that changed my life forever. My hope is real and I want to make it plain. How many of you in here have a real hope would you stand with me right now if your hope is real so let me ask you do you ever share that hope with anybody oh no I don't want them I I had a lady it's a true story a lady came up to me and she said man my husband is such a you know he, he's just such a, a mess and I, I looked at her and I said well I'm going to pray get saved and she said oh God, don't do that. It's a true story. She said, don't do that. It's bad enough I have to live with him. I don't want to have to go to church with him too. I tried to find the screw that was loose. Because <laughs> obviously there was. She didn't have a hope that was real. A few years ago, Debbie was in a store shopping. I know that's hard to believe. While she was shopping, she looked across and she saw a girl. And this was, you know, this has been several years ago. It's before all the different hair colors came out. She saw a girl that had on a green sweater. And half of her hair was green. And the other half was black. And Debbie looked at her and she said, you're color coordinated she said hey, that's so neat and and so she struck up a conversation with her she walked around to the aisle where the girl was and all of a sudden the Lord gave Debbie a scripture to give to the lady and she said I've got a word for you and the lady looked very uncomfortable and said oh you do And when she began to declare the word of God tears started streaming down that girl's face she looked at Debbie and she said you have no idea how perfectly that fits what I'm going through right now Debbie began to pray for her and all of a sudden the woman began to tremble and shake Debbie noticed on her arms cuts where she tried to take her own life. She was self-destructive. And then all of a sudden, the woman looked up at her and said, my son has been going to church with his grandma, my mom. She told me every Sunday he prays, God, save my mommy. 
save my mommy, five years old, save my mommy. And she smiled and she said, today his prayer's been answered. A hope that's real. A hope that doesn't give out, that doesn't walk away. It's real because he's real. We need to ask God to reveal himself to others through us, through a hope that's real. Are you ready for it? Maybe, you know, years ago I preached a message with a glass of iced tea. I had a big bowl of sugar out on the table. And the person kept putting sugar in the cup and they would taste it and they'd say, man, this isn't sweet. And they would put more sugar in the cup and taste it and said, it's still not sweet. Finally, man, they just dumped all the sugar in the cup and they tasted it and they said, something's wrong with this sugar. Wasn't anything wrong with the sugar. They just forgot to stir up what was inside. That's what Paul told Timothy. Stir up the gift that's inside of you. God believes in you. He has confidence that you're going to declare the hope that's real. That you, like the Hebrew children, when it gets hot and when you feel like you're back in a corner and the enemy is breathing down your neck, that you will not give in or give up, but you'll stand up and say, my God is able. My God is able. He can, he will, but even if he doesn't, I'll never bow. I'll never give in. I'm going to hold on. Would you give him a hand clap of praise right now? If you're in here today and you say, Pastor, I, I need to stir it up. I've got hope, but it's been a while since I've stirred it up in me. A man by the name of Alan Oggs, and I'm, I'm going to end with this, but I want to pray with you. A man by the name of Alan Oggs had cerebral palsy. He had become a pastor, and everybody told him, you can never do it. You could never, with your handicap, you'll never be able to pastor a church. But his hope was real. And he became a pastor. He found out he had a heart condition and they were taking him in to operate on him. And before they went into the operating room, he reached out and he grabbed his wife's hand. And he said, hold it, hold it. They kept pushing him. And and all of a sudden, a great big old guy from the church reached out and got a hold of the gurney stop them and he said the pastor says he wants to stop and he brought his wife down close to him and he said honey I want you to promise me something she said baby it's going to be okay he said I want you to promise me something she said what is it he said don't you let them stick anything in me that's going to take the preacher out of me because I'd rather go home than to live like that. 
he said, oh, honey, and she, he said, you promised me. And she said, I promise. He came out of the surgery, and they had him in his room recovering, and he laid there, and he wondered, is my hope still real? Is it still here? He asked the nurse, he said, ma'am, he said, would you mind when you go out, shut my door? She shut the door, and he said, I had to start feeling around inside. He said, so I, I started saying, a long time ago, there was a giant, and there was a boy by the name of David. And David went down to a rippling brook, and he said, man, he said, I stopped. He said, because I felt the ripple, and I knew I still had it. I, I knew it was still there. My hope was still real. Don't ever let go of it. Don't ever turn your back. Don't ever walk away, because he loves you, and he's there for you today in Jesus' name. So if you're here today, and you need a ripple in your life, you need God to remind you that hope that he's put in you I want you to come and stand with me right now this is a season of Christmas it's a season that we rejoice in not the gifts that we're giving to one another but in the gift that was given to us for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son I want you to be able to give of yourself. I want you not to be sitting at home depressed or, or feeling without hope. Sometimes you just got to shake it off. Say, what are you talking about? Shake it off. You're not going to go through life without heartache and disappointment. But you don't have to carry that throughout the rest of your life. There's a God that said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. That hope is real. And I'm going to lay hold of it today and declare that God is doing something in me and through me. Amen. Would you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now? I'm going to ask the ushers if they would just... Stay with me. All I want to do, I'm going to agree with you that your faith. Cordell, I've seen such a change in you. And the change is real. It's a hope that's real. And for, you know, for a long time, it was like that you struggled trying to find your way. But then all of a sudden, God just apprehended you. The best for your life is still in front of you. It's still coming. And you've got so much that you can share with others about the, about all that God has kept you from, what He brought you through, and how that through it all, He made sure that you were still standing. Would you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now, church? Just go ahead and raise both your hands. Father, I thank you, Lord. In the name, the name of Jesus,
something. He is up to something. God is doing something right now. He is up to something. He is up to something. God is doing something right now. He is healing someone. He is saving someone. says anything against their God will be torn limb from limb and their house will be made a dunghill he said because there is no other God that can deliver like their God can and then he promoted them promotions coming and it always comes when you've been through the hottest trial you've ever faced would you stretch your hands to heaven and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you're turning it around. If you would get somebody by the hand right now, look them right in the eye, and I want you to say this with me. Go ahead, grab a hand, look in their eye. You got a hand, you got an eye. Say this with me. I just want you to know my hope is real, and my hope is in Jesus. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week.